Welcome to the very first episode of the Touchpoint Podcast, a podcast dedicated to hospital and health system digital marketing and digital patient engagement approaches. We're going to be covering the latest trends in technologies, processes, and approaches. I'm your host, Chris Boyer, and I'm joined by Reed Smith, and together we're going to tackle various topics and ideas that are surfacing in the digital marketing world. And we're going to try to bring them all together in kind of a fun and interesting way. That's right. And we'll probably talk about a variety of things that have absolutely nothing to do with anything. So, but that's just, uh, that's the nature of of you and I visiting. So should be fun. Wow. Okay. So uh, you're not listening to episode one, just everybody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, that was fun. Uh, of course, you're, you hear Chris right there, and this is Reed, and you are listening actually to episode number 200. Yeah, wow. Reed, that was kind of crazy to hear. We went all the way back to episode one, and that was way before I even had a really nice microphone in front of me. I think I was doing this with my little earbuds. Yeah, you know, what's funny is uh, I have said several times, I think, uh, you know, through the years and even this year, calendar year, um, that people are listening to episode one. And I'm not sure why you would do that. Um, well, I re-listened to episode one and it's actually not bad. It's actually uh, it's actually pretty good uh, for two people that didn't know what in the world they were doing. I don't know that we know much more now than we did then, uh, other than we've done this 200 times or currently doing it the 200th time. We didn't even realize it was going to be a weekly show back then. We were first thinking it might have been monthly or... I don't even remember. Is that what it was? I, th- I think something like that. I-, I thought we were concerned that we were going to run out of topics. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did. We've long since run out of topics, but uh, we, we continue to at least find smart people to be on the show. And we'll talk more about that too. But here we are, 200 and actually, this is the 200th straight week that we've done the show. So the first episode, that one that you just heard the intro to, was from February the 5th, 2017, if I have my dates right, or, or maybe give or take a day, but I'm pretty sure it was the 5th uh, of February, 2017. So we're we're rounding turn four here uh, to, you know, starting into our fourth year, I guess. And, um, you know, certainly very, very appreciative of everyone listening. You know, we've done 200 episodes or doing the 200 episode, I should say. But, you know, Touchpoint, the show became Touchpoint, the network and Touchpoint, the network has become a lot more than Touchpoint, the show. Right. Do want to put a plug in, certainly for everyone else uh, from a production standpoint. We've got a lot of folks working behind the scenes now. This is like a real thing, a real network. Uh, Certainly all of our sponsors through the years, we couldn't have gotten to this place without all of you. Uh, Current sponsors uh, and, and previous ones included. Uh, you know, they really helped us be able to dedicate and spend time on the network. The network has become many shows. We're getting close to 20, I think, on the network at this point. A variety of topics, a variety of show hosts, all that kind of fun stuff. Touchpoint.health is the website. Really would appreciate if you'd go check it out, tune into some of those other shows, visit those sponsors, tell them you heard about it on Touchpoint. It would be greatly appreciated, but certainly uh, couldn't have done this without all the subscribers and listeners. And so sign up for the TPS report. It's our weekly email. You hear me talk about this every week. 
Uh, you're going to get five articles uh, aggregated by our show host, a couple of quick links to some Twitter content, as well as shows on the network, uh, all that kind of fun stuff. So let's pause for just a second, and then we'll, we'll be back and dive into episode 200. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. Way back when, when we thought about this show, we put together a mission statement, which has since become the intro to our show. Looking back over the last 200 episodes, I thought it would be interesting for us to kind of compare what we said in the intro to the actual topics that we do to see if we're actually living up to the promise of our mission statement. I think initially you wrote, and I, you know, I may have contributed a little bit to it or something, and you're right, it's become, and we've had several people voice this is kind of the intro to the show through the years. But yeah, I think it's interesting to kind of go back and look at, you know, are we actually talking about the things that we <laughs> said we were going to talk about? And, and so just as a recap, you know, the big themes here are digital marketing. Certainly we talk about that. Digital patient engagement. And then we talk about uh, tools, solutions, strategies, and, and processes. And so maybe let's uh, kind of look into that on how that's played out over the, the last uh, 199 episodes. Yeah, so we did an exhaustive manual uh, tracking, auditing of our, of our shows <laughs> against topics. One of the things that we found that we talk about the most is this sort of general high-level bucket called strategies. And those these could be marketing, digital marketing strategies. We've even gotten into things like population health, how right. to do uh, your strategies around digital patient education. The grand sum of episodes that we've dedicated to that larger topic is 55. 55. Wow. So a quarter of them or so, you know, as you would probably imagine, because a lot of what we do uh, in our daily lives, I should say, you know, falls in that bucket. So I think, you know, certainly those are the conversations we're having with peers and clients and in the industry and at conferences and all that kind of stuff. So that that makes sense to me. Uh, The next one on the list Tools and technology. If you think about it, it says, you know, we'll dive, dive deep into a variety of topics on digital tools. And so tools and technology accounted for 30. Um, and so there's a lot of things that fall in that bucket. And certainly what's hard about this is we talk about strategy. We talk about tools and a lot of these other topics in every episode. And so this is really more just topically, like kind of the focus of the episode proper, I guess, uh, being on these topics. We've done episodes, deep dives on CRM and deep dives on patient portals. So that's kind of where it's a little bit different because some of them overlap, but we're, we're trying to differentiate. Exactly. 
the third on our list in terms of most frequent topics that we've talked about is really not really a, a topic per se, but it's more of a location. We've done 19 of our shows, Reed, from conferences, industry conferences over the years. Wow. And, and a lot of people listening probably could name a couple of those, especially like we just did one, the Healthcare Internet Conference, right? We've The forum, a lot of people call it, um, is one that we've done. But a few others that have been really interesting through the years is like South by Southwest. You've been the beat reporter there for many years. Yeah, the beat reporter. And Dr. V, the host of the exam room, Greg Matthews, the host of Data Point. You know, some, several of our other show hosts are, are frequent attendees there and have actually produced uh, content from there. We actually got invited to participate uh, at a Kairos uh, client summit called Atlas. Uh, so that was an interesting one as well. Content marketing world. I was there on the campus of Cleveland Clinic. We did a, a, a session there, which was really interesting. The conferences are, are certainly part of the way we connect with everybody that's out there, all of our audience. And we love those because those typically comprise of like panel sessions of people that are at the conferences. We're talking about trends and themes that we're seeing. It's just a really great way to continue to be relevant. And actually now we're participating in conferences. We just did the Healthcare Internet Conference as a panel session of us doing a live podcast recording, which was the last episode. That's right. And this doesn't even include other shows like DataPoint that have been at the American Telemedicine Association and some others. And so, you know, this is just Touchpoint, the show, not Touchpoint, the network. So interesting. Next one on the list. And this has actually been a very, very popular topic. I think it was our number one episode of 2019 was on this uh, particular topic, but is department or team related content. So I think ours was like something about the restructuring the digital department or new marketing department structure or something like that uh, was our most popular episode last year, if I remember right. So we've done 12 episodes related to departments and teams, kind of that people portion. Not too far behind is uh, the fifth most popular topic of the whole run of our show, which has been podcasts related to doctors, physicians, getting them involved with your marketing strategies to engage them, and actually how physicians are showing up in a digital space. So very much focused in, in a variety of different ways on that healthcare professional audience. Yeah, a couple more here that I'll point out. Uh, consumerism, we've hit that topic 10 times. And again, uh, more on that in, in a minute. But you know, that obviously leads into things like content or personas uh, nine times. Uh, we've got some things on here around uh, innovation and transformation uh, four times. Uh, what are a few more that you're, you're seeing? Interestingly enough, we've done nine episodes on social media, three of them dedicated to just Facebook which is interesting. <laughs> that, is, that is interesting. I don't know if I would have thought that number would have been higher or, or lower. Um, yeah. I mean, three, three episodes out of 199 uh, is not that many. But I mean, obviously, we talk about Facebook uh, a lot. I'm sure we've talked about it. Probably a month doesn't go by that we don't, don't you know, talk about it in a particular episode. So here's another thing that I saw when we were looking at this data is that we have done a total of five episodes on telemedicine, telehealth, mm. four of which have been this year alone. I was going to say, I, I wonder if all five of those were in the last <laughs> you know, six months, but yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you know, a little bit uh, trends in reporting, uh, also measurement and data uh, that together in, is about 14 episodes, uh, which is interesting in experience and personalization, which you could say, you know, kind of bleeds into consumerism. It bleeds into the persona piece, things like that. But experience, 
uh, and, and personalization eight. And so that's even things like, uh, I remember one episode that I really enjoyed doing, which was uh, kind of the difference between H caps and online reviews, for example, you know, things like that. Still a very popular episode, but you know, all of these kind of group around the fact of how to use digital to in- engage and enhance online experiences. And I think that's kind of at the very beginning, we said digital patient engagement strategies. And so I thought it would be fun, Reed. Why don't we play a short clip of the very first time we actually talked about this topic, which is around customer journey mapping in episode one. How about we play a short clip of, um, of, of us having that conversation and see how it holds up? And also, little known fact, episode one, we didn't have a guest. Yeah, exactly. It was just us. <laughs> so here you go. Today's topic, we're going to focus in on one that I think a lot of hospitals are really looking at, particularly um, ones that I work with uh, when we're talking about their, you know, building out their digital strategies or even just their strategies in general, which is this, uh, it's almost become a little trite to say, but customer journey mapping. Reed, do you hear a lot about that too with your your people you work with? You know, it varies. I I don't know. We are starting to hear more and more about journey mapping, especially as you look at some of the organizations that we work with uh, that are involved in some quality initiatives like the Baldridge uh, Award process and some different things like that. So I think it kind of depends, you know, who's in charge, uh, what they're focused on, what the organization's focused on as a whole. Is it, is it, are, are you hearing it quite a bit? I mean, is this something that, that people are, are asking or, or kind of looking at and, and you know, asking you for help with? You know, what does that look like for their organization? I think that as we look at all the things that you mentioned, like what are the tactics, what are the blocking and tackling, even how do we start to measure ROI, ultimately these are sort of the elements that you need to start building this thing called a customer journey map. I'm not sure they're really calling it out for what it is exactly, but I know that that's sort of the direction, the strategy that they're going after. Okay, yeah, so that that's a really good point. Maybe they're not calling it that, but that's realistically what it is. And so maybe let's back up just a little bit. And um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, uh, well, define it for us. And sure. then, you know, kind of what, what does that mean to organizations? Sure. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'll do a definition that I found in the Harvard Business Review that was from a few years ago. I think it still kind of holds true. Um, And so here, I'll just kind of read it and maybe we can break it apart a little bit. They say a customer journey map is a simple idea. It is a a way, a diagram in many cases, to illustrate the steps that customers go through in engaging with your company, whether it be a product or the online experience, the retail experience, or any kind of service that you provide or any combination thereof. Uh, It's really focusing in on touch points. And the more touch points you have, the more complicated and necessary the map becomes. So really, as you start to look at the different ways that people can interact with you, um, it, it really becomes important to start to segment and map that out. So, yeah, so to your point, and I know healthcare is more than hospitals, but I get, I get a little, I get some blinders on sometimes just because that's, that's who I deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. And if you look at that definition and you look at, you know, product, online experience, retail experience, or a service, or a combination. Well, it 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 is the, it is all of those things. And you know, I think it said in there. Uh, I think you mentioned some point in there about the more touch points, the more complex it becomes. Yeah. Um. So I, I feel like 
uh, you know, hospitals specifically, uh, healthcare, uh, maybe in a more broader sense, um, maybe one of the more complex because of the amount of services that are offered. And those services, even though you could say, um, you know, a particular service that's offered, like a particular type of, you know, surgical procedure, is still going to vary based on the uh, individuals that are involved, the doctor that's involved, the patient that's involved. Like, there's no two experiences that are going to be the same. So it makes it very, very hard uh, in a lot of cases to journey map a lot of this stuff. It's almost important. It's almost impossible at times, right? Because of all the different touch points. But what what another way that people are starting to talk about it in hospitals and health systems is patient experience, right? And I've even heard this referred to as patient experience mapping. I, it's a okay. similar similar concept, right? It's like really understanding all the different ways that um, your patients, your potential patients, customers, what however you want to define them, are engaging with your hospital, your health system. And trying to figure out ways that you can optimize those, and other mm-hmm. ways where you could uh, maybe you know um, uh, make those experiences that much better, much more efficient for them. Do you think that? All right, so that's one way that it manifests itself, right? You know, people are it's patient experience, and we've talked about patient experience for a long time. And there's organizations out there that you know, have done that organizational consulting type of a role, whether it be the student group or the Baptist leadership group or advisory board or whoever it may be around some of those types of topics. Um, I don't feel like, however, I've seen a lot of those organizations and I'm, I'm not, I don't mean those three specifically, but I don't see the technology piece of it being part of the equation in a lot of cases. It's, shift change handoffs, hiring and firing mm-hmm. and how that works, onboarding of new employees, you know, how you enter a patient room, you know, things like that, which believe me, uh, you know, that's that's a huge part of the equation. I don't see us looking at how easy is it to pay your bill online. Right. Um how what about signing up for classes? Um, you know, how best, you know, can someone online connect and find what they need from your organization or are we forcing them through the channels of how we quote unquote build our corporate websites that we force them down these paths around these different pieces of information? Well, you know, I think that you're right. The digital people don't really show up in those regards. We're doing, and and on the digital side, right, um, when you're like maybe revamping a website or you're going through and you're really kind of understanding a multi-channel digital approach, you are looking at basically the same thing. But Mm -hmm. um, usually they're not talking to each other. But more and more we're starting to see organizations where they're talking about the online patient experience as as part of the overall patient experience. So things like paying your bill, things like making sure that you can find the right doctor when you need to, things like accessing your patient portal, those things are becoming more part of the patient experience but it certainly isn't where that concept of patient experience originated from. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Matson of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. All right, so that was fun. Uh, walk down memory lane there from uh, customer journey mapping episode one. Uh, you know, one of the last things we say uh, in the intro and kind of our mission, if you will, is uh, that we'll have a little bit of fun along the way. And I think we've done this in a variety of ways. Certainly, the cold opens uh, is one. You know, we've also uh, you know had different segments on the shows through the years and done different things. And so, having fun to me means. We were looking for opportunities on new ways to do the shows, right? And so we talked about the conference stuff and the cold opens and some of those touch point, touch counterpoint or counterpoint, oh, touch those. counterpoint or whatever that's called <laughs> that, that we did uh, early on. And anyway, we, we were, you know, even the recommendations at the end of the show, those are all things, you know, that I felt like it was, you know, having fun along the way. And then realistically, we, we always said we would do this as long as we enjoyed doing it. Right. And so I think that is an overarching have a little bit of fun along the way has held true. I mean, we're still doing it because we enjoy to do it. Well, Reed, I think you're understating the fact that many people have said that you are the ultimate funny man of the show and I'm the <laughs> ultimate straight man too. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You gotta be known yeah. for something, I guess. <laughs> I, I think you're right though. Having fun along the way. The cold opens was something that happened accidentally and it suddenly has become sort of the sort of the thing of our show now where we do have these fun intros to the beginning. And I do so miss a touch point, touch counterpoint. <laughs> Oh, that was such a great time. And so for those of you listening and maybe new listeners over the last two years and don't know what this touch point, touch counterpoint looks like, we decided to go back in our annals of our podcast and maybe replay a quick one. And this, and the whole premise of this is where Reed and I take two sides of a, of a topic and we try to argue the different sides to, to get to, uh, you know, maybe a common ground. And let us know if you want to bring it back, because in the back of my mind, I'm really hoping that the audience loves us, that we might bring this back every so often. But here you go. Here's a touch point, touch counterpoint. Touch point, touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready, fight. All right, here we are. Touch point, touch counterpoint uh, portion of the podcast, and uh, today talking a little bit about the evolving expectation of the marketing leader, uh, whatever that that title is. I don't know uh, for all organizations, but the evolving role and evolving expectations, primarily from the C-suite. So today, Chris and I are going to argue about should marketing or the marketing leader specifically report directly to the CEO? Yes. I'm going to argue definitively, yes. Marketing should be reporting directly to the CEO because of all of the things we talked about here. Marketing used in the truly sense of marketing, not just advertising and promotion and and, and being the brand police. If you're using marketing in a strategic way to help execute on business strategies, it should report directly to the CEO because there is great information and input that the marketing team could provide to help shape that CEO's uh, expectation of the organization. Uh, well, okay. So I think it has a lot to do with organization size. The smaller the organization, the more likely they do report to the CEO because quite honestly, who else are they going to report to? I think as the organization gets larger, 
uh, that makes less sense uh, because of the role that marketing plays. Uh, maybe it falls more into operations, and so does strategic planning and experience and some of those types of things. Um, so I think just to definitively say they should report into the CEO or the CEO's uh, office, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't get there. But Reed, I mean, even just then, you just pigeonholed marketing into just being execution and operational related. As we talked about, marketing is designed to be innovative. It's designed to help understand and be the voice of the customer. Who better should know the voice of our patient population of all of our different customers than the CEO of the health system? And therefore, that leader of the marketing department, hopefully the chief marketing officer, regardless of the size, should be a part of the C-suite, should be sitting at the table. And I'm not saying they need to be in front of the CEO every day, but they should certainly be involved with and informing the CEO on what they're observing, what they're tracking, what they're learning. Well, sure. Yeah, they can they can let the CEO know all those things. But I mean, let's okay, so let's go back, put them under the CFO. You know, talking about growth and um, you know, some of those types of things. I go back to our our podcast episode 20 where Aaron Fox, his tip was to put the marketing department under the CFO. That's not a bad idea either. Again, I don't think taking these idea, taking this into the CEO's office is necessarily the best idea, especially as the organization gets larger and more complex. Taking the marketing department into the CFO, with all due respect to Aaron Fox, is so short-sighted. <laughs> so short-sighted. What, you can, what possibly could happen is suddenly you're playing a numbers game and marketing has to meet certain financial thresholds. And not, that's not to say they shouldn't be fiscally responsible. They should be. We talked about that today. But what if the company is going down? What's the first thing a CFO is going to do if you're in the red? They're going to start cutting out cost centers and a CFO sees marketing as a cost center to the organization, whereas a CEO can see marketing as being more of a strategic investment in the growth of your organization, in the the ability to get that voice of the customer back. Well, just because you're under the CEO, that means marketing's not going to cut. I mean, uh, the CFO is not going to cut marketing. That's not going to save you just because you're in another part of the organization. That just means you have the wrong CFO. Clearly, you haven't worked in a hospital lately. Of course not. (laughs) I mean, marketing budgets get hit every year because they're not, you know, they're considered a cost center. Well, sure, but it's not because they're under the CFO. (laughs) Well, Reed, I'm going to go one step further. I think that a CEO of a hospital should come from a marketing background. How's that? Hmm. I can't imagine a scenario that that happens. If you're really, truly the voice of the customer, you're being innovative, you're doing all these things that the CEO anticipates of you, right? The financial steward, innovator, customer, uh, understanding the customer, being crisis person, understanding the technology. What better candidate for a health system CEO than a great experienced chief marketing officer? There. Glove thrown down. Well, for all the recruiters listening, I'm available. Um, happy to entertain any CEO opportunities that you may have. Um, I mean, no, that sounds great. That sounds great in theory. I just, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see it. It's just not going to happen. 
I don't know, Reed. I am just saying this, is that a chief marketing officer is such a critical, or the marketing capability is so critical to an organization that it has to have the upper level reporting, or it's going to be sort of sidelined. It's not going to be invited to the table around strategic planning or clinical decisions. It's always going to be the people that go clean up the mess afterwards. And we don't Mm -hmm. need to clean up messes anymore. Yeah, I can get behind that. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people lately, Reed, have said that we've been getting a little soft with our arguments, so I I really had to go out there on this one. I I actually think it would be interesting to entertain a a good, experienced chief marketing officer to run sort of like a larger organization. I'm wondering, you know, I obviously... Everybody collectively in the healthcare industry, hospital industry, would probably you know throw up in their mouth a little bit when they hear that because it just seems so counterintuitive to what we do. But I, I think it would be interesting to see uh, a person that actually has really good skills around marketing to be more of strategically aligned at a high level in a hospital system. So we've had a lot of people on the show as guests over the the last 199 episodes. We've had 238 total guests. Now, the math doesn't add up, right? So that's more than 199. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's because <laughs> we've, we've had a couple of interviews where we've had multiple people that we've interviewed. And then whenever we go to a conference, we have a group a panel discussion, right? So we may have three or four people. Got it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then we've, we've also had shows without anyone. I just said episode one didn't have a guest. It looks like uh, you pulled some numbers and we've had eight shows, eight that did not have a guest. So stuff like the year in review and the best of episodes, uh, the one we're doing today is a good example. Episode one uh, aforementioned. So Almost every time, 99% of the time, we've had a guest or or more than one guest. We try to record a new show with new guests every week. Let's look at our guests because there have been some people that have been on multiple times. There's a whole litany of folks that have been on at least a couple of times, right? Folks like Justin Rodriguez, Lee Acey, which everybody uh, certainly is familiar with that listens to the show. Carrie Lykin, our friend over at EXT. Dr. Ferris Tamimi, another Mayo Clinic all-star. 13 guests have been on twice on our show, but there have been people that have been on more than twice. So let's let's kind of tick up to the very top here. So there have been two guests that have actually been on three times in total. John Burnt, we all know him from the Burnt Group. He's talked about personalization and about uh, transformation, a variety of things. And then our good friend Rob Rosenberg, who's talked about branding. I don't know that I would have necessarily uh, picked. I, I probably would have said, you know, looking at the at the list, the thirteen folks have been on twice. I probably would have guessed a few of those names having been on more than twice. You know, Dan Dunlop or. Uh, you know, Jackie Martin, for example, the aforementioned uh, Dr. Tamimi or Lee, AC, you know, some of those types of folks. So John and Rob three times. So there's also been two people like uh, John and Rob that have been on four times. And uh, this was very timely because she was on uh, last week, uh, a Havali tag. So she bumped up out of that three to now four category. And then Brian Gresh from Loyal. He's been on talking about AI, uh, certainly machine learning, 
Uh, we've had him in, in talked a little bit about uh, things that he'd done historically, either at Cleveland Clinic or the University of Utah. And so just a wealth of knowledge. And, and he's been on shows uh, across the network, not just not just Touchpoint. But uh, so Ahava and Brian, both four times. That's a lot of times on our show. But there is one person that stands out as being on our show the absolute most. One person has been on six times. Six times. Now, I will say I probably would have guessed it. Maybe not first but certainly was would he would be in the short list because he's probably one of our oldest friends and connections in this space. When you talk about friends, he he was actually like you were at my wedding as well. So this is a <laughs> well, there you go. Dear, dear yeah. friend to us, right? We're beating around the bush, but Reed, do you want to maybe with a little drum roll, I'll insert that here. Six time touch point appearance recipient, <laughs> or whatever you want to call it, uh, Ed Bennett. Good old Ed has been on the show that long. Some of his topics range from you know marketing technology. He talked about online patient communities. There's been a lot of different topics that he's addressed on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, very appreciative of all his insights. Go check out his, his new project over at martech.health. Um, okay, so 238 guests, um, eight shows without a guest. We went through the most common uh, frequenters of uh, that expert section on the show. Another quick fact, we have had some guests uh, named after us, not named after us, <laughs> but named the same as us. Well, that I wouldn't say we. <laughs> Well, first, let's go ahead and knock out. Uh, we've had exactly zero people on the show named Reed. <laughs> yes, that's true. That is true. Unfortunately, Reed Smith is a very popular name on Twitter for not the reasons you think. But in terms of guests on our show, we haven't had any Reeds. So if you know any other Reeds out there that might be a good guest on the show, we need to turn that number around. But Reed, let's talk about how many guest experts were named after me or named with the same name I am. I okay, have. well, clearly there's been at least one other one. And I would say uh, not even five or six times have we had someone on the show named Chris. So Ed's been on the show six times. People named Chris nine. Nine guest experts on the show named Chris. Interesting. There you go. And I mean, nine uniquely individual times, because we don't even have somebody named Chris that's been on the show twice. The same Chris, I should say. So there you go. And uh, usually I've interviewed those people too, which makes it for really interesting because we, I always say, so Chris, tell me about this. And they say, well, Chris, let me tell you. <laughs> and it makes for an interesting, <laughs> I, I typically edit that stuff out of our interview. So Let's uh, hear a little bit from our six-time attendee, Ed Bennett. Matter of fact, he was uh, on episode two talking about content management systems. So he was our very first guest we ever had on the show in episode two. So uh, let's maybe spend a little bit of time and uh, hear some of the wisdom that Ed has departed over the years. All 
All right, this is a new segment on our podcast called Ask an Expert, where we find uh, an expert that's out there in our space in the industry that's pretty well known, and just have a real good conversation about our particular topic at hand. And today we happen to find one of the one of the preeminent experts in the space, uh, someone that uh, was once referred to, at least to me, as the Godfather of digital marketing and healthcare. And that's the venerable Ed Bennett. Ed, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Chris. I'm pleased to be here. And uh, yes, I guess I've earned the uh, Godfather with my gray hair and gray beard, and I'm, I'm going to own that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ed, I mean, it's it's such a, a, a young industry to be called the Godfather doesn't necessarily reflect on your age. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I wouldn't worry so much about that. Well, Ed, today's topic is about content management systems and CMSs. And I know that your background and expertise um, in content management systems since way back when has, you know, back before I was even involved in digital, I, would, I guess, 1995. Tell us a little bit about, you know, sort of what your perspective is, how you saw the industry changing. What I've seen along the way is that uh, in the early days of hospitals doing content management and doing websites, the the CMS was seen as a very simple sort of page publishing platform. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Uh, the, its purpose was to publish pages of content, you know, photos and text. And as the industry's grown, that's now shifted to a, a system that has um, many different responsibilities. It needs to be able to adapt to uh, mobile, uh, connect to all different sorts of other online services. And I think the big issue for hospitals is that they, they underst- underestimate the complexity involved. We are live uh, as we record it. I guess we're always live as we record it, but we have a live audience as we record it this time. Yes, yes, thank you. So this is the first time we've ever done this, but this is fun. Um, and uh, yeah. Here we and are. we also have some very special guests. We do have very special guests. Anybody that's listened to previous episodes will probably recognize some of the names. I'm uh, Ed Bennett. I've been around in this uh, field for about 20 years doing digital programs and digital strategy uh, for hospitals. When you look at marketing, uh, just marketing fundamentals, everyone in marketing knows that word of mouth, positive word of mouth, is the best marketing uh, advertising you can buy. Everybody knows that, right? Even more so in healthcare, right? It's something, though, that marketing gives lip service to because where do they spend their marketing dollars? Traditional advertising, digital advertising, brand awareness. There's really nothing that mar- the typical marketing department at a hospital does that really truly impacts word of mouth. I think that needs to be flipped so that the focus should be what is the overall patient experience. Marketing has a piece to play in that at the very beginning and at the end. Hmm. And then all the stuff that happens in the middle is what's going to influence what that, uh, that experience is going to be. If it's done through that lens, then marketing is simply a subset of, of what starts the entire patient experience, and that's the approach you should be taking. All right, welcome back to our Ask the Expert section of the podcast. And today's podcast, as you know, is about online patient communities. And I am happy to have back Ed Bennett uh, on our podcast to talk a little bit about online patient communities. Ed, welcome back. Well, thanks, Chris. I'm happy to be here. 
third time on the podcast. That's right. Yeah, because yeah, we, we, we had uh, the second time was the live podcast from the uh, strategy conference. That's right. Cool. When we keep this up, you're going to get a smoking jacket. Oh, I'd like that. You've been spending a lot of time with online patient communities. Well, there's a, a couple of factors that uh, drew me to this. I've always been looking at tools and innovative ways that hospitals can use web and digital technology to improve the patient experience. I think that the online patient communities is something that is starting to slowly take off. I track the number of hospitals that sponsor these communities on my blog. I think I'm up to about 15 or 18 so far. Uh, so it's, it's a slow start, but I believe that this is going to be one of the most effective ways that a hospital can continue the relationship with their patients provide uh, the type of environment that patients are seeking for support and while also overseeing it and making sure that the, uh, the information that's being provided is, is accurate, etc. Uh, it's a complex problem and it's t- it requires some, uh, some um, resources from the hospital on a regular basis to do this. Uh, but I believe that hospitals will eventually see that that effort is worth it and will pay back uh, in multiples uh, with improved patient outcomes and uh, a better patient, uh, again, a better patient experience. All right. Welcome back to the Assay Experts section of our podcast. And today we're talking to a friend of the podcast um, and a frequent guest of ours, which is the illustrious Ed Bennett. Ed, how are you today? I'm fine, Chris. How are you doing? About six months ago, I took on a brand new initiative, a, a new website called martech.health. Uh, which is a vendor directory for our industry where folks who are looking for vendors across, uh, well, over 40 different categories of services uh, are able to come to the directory, uh, search for vendors, uh, read uh, reviews, listening to, listen to uh, podcast articles, and just kind of get a, a, good, a good sophisticated uh, research tool to make it easier uh, to find the right vendor. The biggest challenge is, is that there's no one right answer for all healthcare organizations obviously. The nature of the type of vendors and partners that you pick are going to vary greatly depending on what your circumstances are, uh, but this is the size of your budget, how much staff do you have to dedicate uh, to, uh, uh, to particular projects and so forth. Probably one of the first things that a hospital person or a marketing person needs to be very clear about uh, is is what is their internal state? What is an honest assessment about what your hospital can take on themselves versus needing to uh, look to partners to uh, support and supplement what you're doing? And I think if you have a very clear idea of what your realistic resources and investment can be, uh, then you'll be in a much better position to uh, choose the right vendor. Welcome to episode 92 of Touchpoint. I'm Reed Smith, joined as always by Chris Boyer. Hey, Reed. Most, if you're listening, you may realize that we are, we are outside, mm-hmm. and we are outside in Scottsdale, Arizona at the Healthcare Internet Conference. We've got uh, Ed Bennett, class of 2012, <laughs> Lee Acey, class of 2013, and the most recent inductee, Chris Boyer, class of 2018. Ed, you've been in this, what, you say 20 years now? 20 years. Let's look back 20 years' time. I mean, what if, you know, what was it like way back then? Was there even an internet when you started? (laughs) 
<laughs> no. Who was it? I was born a small child. Uh, <laughs> I only had a dial-up phone. Um, we had a rotary phone. Um, I got involved on the Internet in the mid-'90s introduced to it by a friend at Bell Laboratories in Chicago, Illinois, and he went to his office, he was a scientist there, and sat down and looked at this, he had this big monitor, and he was showing me how he could see pictures and talk to people all over the world through this thing called the internet, and I got really interested in that, that was pretty fascinating. So I started doing some consulting and working with companies and helping them get set up with their first website, but in 1999 I decided I wanted to take on something bigger and uh, was uh, looked at a, a position uh, in my town uh, with the University of Maryland where they were bringing they were looking for someone to run their website and so I looked at what's a landscape what are other hospitals doing with websites and realized that the world was my oyster <laughs> nobody was really doing anything except throwing up a few static pages no one really had figured out uh, what the potential was for the web uh, in a healthcare care uh, mm-hmm. setting. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a very good uh, place to be. Uh, the, the University of Maryland was very forward-thinking and had a, gave me a lot of support And as we try things and tried and failed and sometimes succeeded and mm-hmm. uh, started to do, uh, really started to use the internet as a way of satisfying the needs of patients and getting the word out. All right, welcome back to the Ask the Expert portion of the podcast. Today, I'm fortunate to be joined by uh, an old friend and a repeat guest to the podcast, Ed Bennett. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Real pleasure to be here. So I know you've been on the show in person. Well, I guess you're in person now, but we were all in the same location in Scottsdale probably a year or so ago, or maybe a little more. Yeah, that was that was about a year ago. Yeah, with Lee and, and of course, Chris, and we were kind of reminiscing on the good old days. But today I've got you on specifically to talk about marketing technology in the vendor space. The work you're doing now is is really interesting and I think kind of aligns with some of the conversations I've had as of late. Yeah. I mean, I think if you compare our industry to other vertical markets, we're starting to catch up to other vertical markets in the sophistication of what we do with our marketing stack. The whole concept of having a MarTech stack where you have a CRM, you have a CMS, you have a variety of other tools that help you connect with prospects and service current customers and all of that stuff through a digital space. That's been very well established in other vertical industries for literally over 15 years. I think hospitals are now finally starting to get into the same level of sophistication. And this is something where you now have to sort of step back and say, okay, what is the landscape? What is it that I need to have in place internally before I can even start attempting to do, do this? And then what is it that I have to look at once I decided I'm ready to start uh, being very serious about a, uh, a marketing and technology stack? It's interesting you say that. Chris and I talked a few episodes ago about kind of the the evolution of some of the roles, right? Like people retire or move on or get fired or whatever happens at these hospitals. And they're not necessarily just immediately replacing those jobs anymore in the same way. Uh, you know, we're starting to see more titles with things like consumerism in the title or, or analytics and insights or, you know, even marketing technology, I guess, to some degree. Who's leading the parade here? Are we doing that in response to the fact that there's all these tools 
or I, what are you seeing? I mean, is it the hospital kind of leading that conversation? What's leading it is the consumer. There's like one hospital that I can think of that has a uh, someone who's in a position of chief patient experience officer, and that would be Piedmont Healthcare. And if I had to point to one hospital system, that's probably the one I would say, go look at what they're doing because they've got their act together, they figured it out, and they're doing what you need to do. That's really in a response to understanding that consumers are fed up with how backwards their experience is when it comes to dealing with a healthcare provider. They're getting frustrated. And if we don't get our act together, we're going to lose out to larger commercial interests. I mean, I just saw something about Walmart, I think, a couple of days ago, announced that they were launching a 20,000-square-foot standalone medical practice where you, where you could go and for $25, you could have a, central, a series of dental x-rays to just check out how your teeth are doing uh, and a variety of other diagnostic services that you could pay for out of pocket, but they were very, very reasonably priced. So there's just one example of how the commercial interests that are not that you would not normally think of as healthcare are really threatening the type of bread and butter services that hospitals and other healthcare providers normally do. Uh, so I think that sort of fuels the idea that we need to get on the stick, figure out what we're doing in terms of how we communicate with our our patients slash consumers, and make sure we're doing it right. Well, great to hear from Ed again. I don't know if that's technically now his seventh time on the show or because <laughs> uh, it wasn't new per se, but he was on again. But anyway, it was nice to have Ed back on the show for a seventh time, which is probably news to him at this point. But it's it's always great. And he's been a great friend of the show, been a great friend of us personally through the years. And so I uh, always appreciate his insights and look forward to having him back on for an eighth time Mm-hmm. All right. Well, now is the time in the show. Um, again, actually, let me, as an aside, let me let me plug the TPS report again, because uh, we still have a few webinars coming up through the end of the year and, and certainly education going into next year. So TPS report at touchpoint.health, sign up for that. There'll be links to those webinars that we're doing as well as anything kind of moving forward. All right. So uh, typically at the end of the show, we do recommendations. We've done a lot of recommendations over the years. Well, I mean, I guess we've done grief. Close to, I would say close to 400. Actually, there's probably over 400 because we've got people that have been on the show, like some of the panels that we've done that have also provided recommendations. So anyway, it's it's a lot of things that that you could have purchased based on our recommendation. I'm going to assume you have not bought all of them, but if you did, I wonder how much that would have added up to. Reed, you've recommended things like a tractor. Yeah, a tractor. Yeah, that that would have been a big ticket item. It's been some things that have been free. True. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And other things that do cost a pretty penny. If I would put a price tag on it, I would say, I don't know, maybe, I don't know how much a tractor costs, but maybe between $75,000 to $100,000. Yeah, that may even be a little bit on the high side, because depending on the tractor you go with, you know, you could get like a nice John Deere 3 Series for probably under twenty. Depending on if you get a box blade or you get the front end loader or the shredder, is it the five foot and do you have a trailer? You know, there's there's all kinds of pieces there that, that kind of go into that. Um, 
I love it. I love it. Four wheel drive, two wheel drive, etc. But it, but in any case, I'm I'm gonna say if you bought everything, you're probably more in the fifty range. Okay. Okay. Boy, I we should have turned this into some kind of an affiliate program. Yeah, we should have. <laughs> I don't know that John Deere has an affiliate link or anything like that. That would have been our really our, our ticket item in any case. I don't know that you can buy it off of Amazon or anything like that, but a toy one. I guess you buy a toy one. There is some really good ones. If if there's something you've actually purchased through the years, I'd love to know what it is, uh, just out of curiosity. So let us know. Speaking of, what are you what are you gonna recommend today? Well, Reed, we're, we're recording this on uh, Giving Tuesday, which is a day that, you know, is kind of set aside to give donations to local charities or national charities. And so I'm going to re- make a recommendation of one of the local charities that we spend time on. My overall recommendation is basically do what you can this year. If you can help people out, it's a tough year. It's been a tough year for a lot of people. So if you can donate to a local food bank, you could donate some time, whatever it is, uh, to do some charitable work over the holiday season. It, I think that really is part of the spirit. The one that I'm going to recommend here in the Twin Cities is a charity called Second Harvest Heartland. They focus on a lot of different initiatives. There's a child hunger initiative. They uh, stock a lot of the local food banks. They're just a really great uh, charity that's that serves the sort of the, the greater Minnesota area here. Second Harvest Heartland is my recommendation. But overall, just saying, if you can do something this year, I would recommend being charitable. It's it's part of the spirit of the the season. Well, along those lines, I'll also recommend uh, uh, a, a charitable uh, foundation and a great cause. Uh, so John Mason, who hosted uh, the Connected Hospital for uh, for some time for us, uh, he is actually a CIO in the in the world in which we uh, spend our time. And he and his wife started a foundation some years ago called Path of Hope Foundation. It's pathofhopefoundation.org. What they do is they actually uh, build houses down in Honduras, but more importantly, the foundation is meant to scholarship uh, girls through their secondary education. So you can uh, give some money. It's about $350 a year to um, uh, scholarship one girl uh, through her entire secondary education. So the government down there only pays for education through sixth grade. And they have found if they can get them through 12th grade, their uh, earning potential goes way up. The fact that they may become uh, single moms goes way down um, and just puts them on a better path for their life, if you will. And so they have uh, started this foundation to help educate these girls uh, down in Honduras. And so I think currently in a current class, you know, in an annual kind of scenario, they they have about 90 to 100 girls uh, that they're putting through school. You know, we know the people uh, involved, and uh, of course, they go down there several times a year to check on them and, and then take groups down there to certainly help them with some of their needs, like building them houses and things like that. So that's going to be my recommendation, Path of Hope Foundation. I know that a lot of people listening in may also have some of their favorite charities. Yeah. Uh, you know, it would be great if you listen into this and you maybe see our post on, on LinkedIn or Twitter and you want to respond with a charity that you might want to recommend to people listening in, feel free to do that. There you go. Well, another great episode, rounding out episode number 200. 200 episodes in the books. Uh, again, couldn't do it without uh, you, the listener. We certainly appreciate the support. If you will rate, review, subscribe, wherever you happen to be listening or streaming, 
Uh, and then tell somebody, go, go tell a colleague, a coworker, sign up for the TPS report, all that kind of fun stuff. We'd love to hear from you. Twitter, LinkedIn is the best way to get a hold of us. For Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith. And uh, like always, we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.